This is Darrell Alia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 7-0. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now, your host, DeRay Olalaye. What's going on, BTM Tribe? We're back for another installment, another episode of the Before the Millions podcast, the podcast dedicated to lifestyle design through real estate before the millions. Today, I'm speaking to you all the way from the far distant land of Taipei, Taiwan. And this has been an experience, guys. I mean, talk about a culture shock. For the past few weeks, I've been in Singapore. And in Singapore, which is another Asian country, their primary language, or they'd like to believe that their primary language is English. So it's pretty easy to get around. Everybody has English in their repertoire. Taipei, not so much. Just imagine traveling halfway across the world by yourself in a foreign land with no connections, no people, and there's nobody around you that speaks English. What do you do? I mean, I'm talking about from the instant I leave the airport, my cab driver speaks not one bit of English. So we get creative. We have to pull out this app, this translator app, and we, we're literally each talking in the app, and the app is translating what we're saying to the other person's language. Never had to, I've never had this kind of experience before, but it's what we have available to make interactions work. And I mean, it worked. It worked. We got across what we wanted to get across. I wanted to go to Elephant Mountain. It's a bucket list item that I don't think I'm going to be able to make before the end of this trip. But regardless, I'm having a lot of fun on today's show. Let's say that you are thinking about using fixing and flipping as a means to jump into real estate investing. Well, you're in for a big surprise today because we talk about fixing and flipping on today's show. In fact, that's the primary goal of today's show is to teach you guys how to get into fixing and flipping how to find properties, how to rehab them, and then how to make a spread after the rehab by selling that property. So this is one of the easiest ways in real estate to make some quick cash. One of the best ways in real estate to make some quick cash. As with any real estate vehicle, it has its ups and downs. When it comes to quick cash, when it comes to getting the funds needed for your next big real estate investment, when it comes to you just creating some active income for yourself, I believe that fixing and flipping is one of the best ways to go. Along with that, you should also learn how to wholesale. I mean, with those two things in your repertoire as a rental real estate investor, I mean, you can't go wrong. You have an arsenal. You have a a, literally a tool belt of different tools that you can use to close each deal as you see fit. So if you're looking for some quick cash, then you might want to go the wholesaling route, make a quick five, 10,000 bucks. If you're looking for a little bit more intermediary play and you want to get 
some sustainable cash, something that you can actually, you know, use as an investment, something that you can actually use as a down payment for your rental, then you may want to go fixing and flipping and get, you know, 10, 20, even 30 grand on a, on a flip. Now, a wholesale deal may take you a month, may take you a couple of days. A flip may take you a couple months to half a year. It just depends on your preference and what the spreads are. And a lot of people, a lot of people use wholesaling and fixing and flipping to jump into rental real estate. And it's one of the subjects that we're going to cover a lot on the show. So today's guest, Mr. Javier Hinojo, is going to talk to us all about fixing and flipping. But not only that, he's going to teach us, tell us, show us how he built his team and how you too can build your fixing and flipping team so that you can start the debt. So you can start down the path of building your real estate empire. I know this all sounds exciting, guys. So without lathering you up any longer, let's get to the show. DeRay's Tip of the Week. Most of us spend a lot of our time doing things that we really don't want to do. And we do things that we really don't want to do a lot of the time, a majority of the time. I'd say 60, 75, 90%, 95% of the time we're doing things that we don't want to do just so we can eke out those few hours of doing something or those few minutes or those few precious seconds or that, that weekend, that amazing weekend in about three weeks to where we can really do what we want to do. We spend most of our time doing things that we never want to do, that we don't want to do, just so we can eke out a couple hours of doing things that we want to do. And I want to try this on for size. I'm not saying telling you guys to go out and stop doing everything that you're doing in your life that you don't want to do now, but but take it in, in some bite-sized chunks. Try it out for for maybe you know an exercise or two, and then see how you can expand that in other areas of your life. So first off, I want to say it's not about the money. I mean, it can be, and we'll get to that, but Whenever it comes to distinguishing whether or not you should do something or whether or not the thing that you're doing is truly fulfilling or something that you actually want to do, ask yourself these three questions. One, is it fun? Do you enjoy doing it? Are you going to have a good time? Are are other people going to have a good time? So is it fun? Two, is it impactful? Who's going to be affected by this? What type of change are they going to see? Are they going to witness? Are they going to experience? Are you going to experience? Is it impactful? Three, is it profitable? And three is a caveat because you may may be able to get away with the first two. But if we're talking career-wise, if we're talking investment-wise, then three is a definite question. Is it profitable? Is it something that is going to yield you fruit? So is it fun? Will you enjoy doing it? That's number one. Number two is, is it impactful? Who's going to be affected by this and how? And number three, is it profitable? Can you make a decent return off of this? When you lead with those three questions, I guarantee you will start having a more fulfilling life in those areas of your life. And now your feature presentation. I'm introducing to you guys a family man, a man who's who's built his business, not only with professionals around him, but also the support of his loving family. Mr. Javier Hinojo. Javier, how's it going today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing amazing, Javier. And where are you located right now? I'm in uh, North Carolina. We're specifically in North Carolina. What building are you in? What are you currently doing? Are you at home? So right now, I am just uh, loitering at my wife's office. <laughs> so she is a real estate broker, and she has four offices. So they've uh, embraced us as the investment couple, and I'm able to use their offices. But technically, I am the assistant, <laughs> the uh, unlicensed assistant. So I get all the perks of using all the conference rooms, all four offices. So that's where I'm at right now. 
in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is the uh, capital I of love North that. Carolina. So, so Javier, before we take it, before we take it back, before we get into the time machine, t- tell our listeners a little bit about what you do and kind of just give a brief, you know, 10 to 15 second overview of kind of what you do in the real estate space. I'll give you a 10, 15 second. Let me see. So we buy fix and flip. That's uh, about all we do right now. And we set a goal to do 50 within 12 months. And we started that goal May 1st, which is roughly a few weeks back or a couple of months back. And we're on number eight at the moment. How long have you been in this business for? Roughly two, two and a half years. Two and a half years. Okay. Okay. So let's take it back. Let's take it back now because I, I want to get into this, this fix and flip phenomenon. I want to ask you a lot of questions about this. I want to talk about how you've kind of uh, seamlessly incorporated your family in the business as you work as an assistant <laughs> at your wife's agency. So let's maybe, let's maybe take it back a little bit. Let's figure out the inception of all of this, Javier. And, you know, let's talk about maybe your, your younger days and maybe what you were doing, you know, as a professional and how you kind of turned your ear to real estate. Well, I didn't go to college. I was a high school pushout. I tried, yeah, yeah. So I was, I tried really hard in school to get good grades and, and I got really, really close to being a C plus student. I got real close. So I knew that I, school didn't really, it wasn't something that I wanted to do. So I joined the military. When I turned 18 years old, I wanted to be my own boss. So I joined the U.S. Army and went to Fort Bragg, and I was in the 82nd. And so after a few years there, I moved to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Even when I was younger, I tried to figure out a way to make money. My parents, uh, my dad and my mom, they're locksmiths. So that's what I learned how to do when I was a teenager. I get home from school. I was about 15, 14, 15. I do my homework, and then I go to work. So I've been working since I was, you know, in my early teens. And I just continued that. When I joined the military, I was making a lot of money, roughly about $880 a month. And I was already married. So I got married when I was 19. And my wife was 18. It was her 18th birthday when we got married. So funny story on that is it was her 18th birthday. And it was also um, our wedding day. And it was a Super Bowl that day, uh, (laughs) January 25th. Don't ask me who played because I don't remember, but you know. <laughs> uh, so we got married on her 18th birthday and we've been married 20 years now and we have five kids all the way from 23. Our adopted son's 23. He lives in Moscow. We have a 21 year old out in uh, Arizona. I got a 16 year old that's in high school, a 13 year old that's in middle school and a seven year old that's in elementary school. So that's uh, pretty busy for us. So let's maybe take it back just a few years ago, maybe about three, maybe four years ago before you kind of started, uh, started fixing and flipping. Let's maybe talk about what you were doing at the time and maybe some of the emotions that you felt about what you were doing and how you were going about being an entrepreneur and, and how you kind of turned your ear to real estate. Sure. So I've always wanted to do real estate. You know, I just didn't know how to do it, where to start. So I started a lot of kind of, a lot of different businesses. I started a lot of different businesses, you know, some worked out, some didn't. Uh, A few years back, maybe about five years, uh, we decided to take a year off. We had some uh, big, uh, big losses on a venture that I tried. And we just kind of took a year off. We went to Mexico to live over there. And when I was down there in Mexico, I had a uh, friend of mine uh, go visit me and we just kind of reconnected. When I came back to uh, Raleigh, 
he uh, suckered me into one of those weekend seminars. You know, we went ahead and uh, I don't, I say suckered, you know, just uh, tongue in cheek, but I went to one of those weekend seminars and we bought the program and, and we got started. That's really how we got started. We were actually in the very first week or two weeks of our training when we had our first contract to purchase first uh, home under contract. So that's kind of how I got started in real estate. I love that. So, so, Javier, are you okay with me playing a little bit of devil's advocate as we, um, as we continue this interview? Yes, feel free. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's maybe dive into some of your reasons for jumping into real estate and maybe more so some of your reasons for jumping into the aspect of real estate that you participate in, which is fixing and flipping. What did you see about that business model that attracted you the most? Well, just uh, the quick cash, if you call it quick, you know, if you can get it done fast. Uh, the market, it's, it's really good, you know, just about everywhere around the country. So there's a lot of potential, you know, to make us, you know, quick profit. Even though uh, fix and flip, it's still a job. You know, it's, it's really not residual. This, you know, you have to kind of go to work every day or have the people in place to kind of, you know, still get the next deal and rehab it and sell it. But I, I like the fact that, um, you know, the market was good. You can get a good deal on a property, fix it up and sell it. Uh, I wanted to go ahead and build my cash so I could start investing in, you know, passive income and some rentals, some multifamily or some apartment complex or just anything that involves real estate, you know, I want to do. I just have to take uh, one step at a time. I like, to br- I like to build a bridge, drive across it a few times. Then once it's driven across, if, you know, I know it works, then I put people in place and then that bridge gets, you know, it's taken care of. And then I built my next bridge. I don't like to do three, four, five, six at a time. Then I don't really get anything done. Yeah, I love that. So let's, let's maybe talk about the concept of fixing and flipping. And what does that exactly mean? What are you going out to do? Are you, you know, purchasing property and then you're, you're selling it to a, a buyer off of a buyer's list? How does this whole process work? You know, just from a 30,000 foot view, just so an average listener who, who doesn't really know the industry and is trying to learn about fixing and flipping, what exactly that means? Sure. So a lot of people that get started with real estate, they usually get started by wholesaling. Well, there's a lot of people that only do wholesaling and they, they do very well. I mean, they make, and describe, describe wholesaling as well. Yep, sure. And don't make seven figures wholesaling. So wholesaling basically means is you find a deal, you know, you walk down the street, you see a home that looks, you know, in distressed home and you find the owner and you make them an offer and you get a really good deal. And then you turn around and you find an investor like somebody like me to come and actually bring the cash to the table and purchase that property. So as a wholesaler, for the most part, you don't have to come out with any money out of, out of your pocket. All you have to do is find a deal, get it under contract, and then you basically sell me that contract. I pay you a fee, 5000 10000 50000 I mean, it just depends on what kind of deal you get. And then on the back end, you know, I fix it, I remodel it, and then I sell it retail and I make my money that way. Got it. Got it. So got that's it. that is uh, that is what a wholesaler does. I don't really do a much much wholesaling. I've done a few, but every property that you know our team gets or that I get under contract, we usually close on it and we purchase it and we go ahead and fix it and then we and then we sell it. 
Okay. Okay. I love that. So you would, you would say that maybe the benefits of wholesaling is you can get in with little to no money and you don't necessarily have to have the money to close because you're not the one putting it under contract, or maybe you're assigning the contract to somebody else. And you would say that maybe the benefits of a flipper is there's a lot more room to be able to make a spread or a profit uh, rather than just getting an assignment fee. Is that correct? That is correct. Even though I made my best money on wholesale deals, <laughs> so, uh, you know, strange as that as that sounds, I've made some really good assignment fees on some uh, really nice uh, deals that I've had in the past. And, you know, with that said, I think there's really no right or wrong way to do real estate. You know, as long as you're making money, and it's going to get you to your, you know, to your your goals. You know, to get you, you know, whatever it is you have decided for your life. As long as it's going to get you there, there's really no right or wrong way of doing it. You know, we started, well, I started by fixing and flipping, right? I should have probably started wholesaling, right? Like everybody else, but I jumped right into fix and flip. I didn't really have that much money. I really didn't. Two years before that, you know, I had basically lost everything. You know, that's why we took kind of a year off. We moved to Mexico to kind of just kind of, you know, re-evaluate our lives, what we're going to do, how we're going to make our money back. And uh, so I really started with really no money. You know, I came back, I had to get back to work. Uh, I had no money and I got my first deal. Honestly, I didn't even know how I was going to close on it, put it that way. I just got it under contract and then I had to figure out how to get the money. I actually, so, I actually want to highlight on that, Javier, because I think that's super important to, to kind of talk about when you, when you go through you know, an ordeal that, that leaves you with no money, that leaves you maybe kind of feeling like, I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to go about creating or providing, you know, for myself and my family. And you come out on the, on the other end through a means like real estate. And most people have this daunting belief that real estate is so expensive and there's a lot, there's a lot that's involved. And, you know, I don't know if and when I'm going to be, be able to get a return on my money. I don't know if this is a smart thing to do. I don't know if this is the right property. There's so many questions that are circulating around a person's head, especially when you're in a position that you were in. And, you kept putting the next foot forward, Javier. You kept saying, or it seems as though you kept reiterating that this is, I'm going to be a success at this. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. And just because I don't know how it's going to happen, just because I don't know how to close on this deal, I, I don't have the funds. It's not going to stop me because once I get to that obstacle, I'm going to figure out how to tackle it. I feel like that's the mindset that you went into that with. And I want you to kind of talk about that if that was the mindset. And how did you, you know, how did that first deal go? How, do, how were you able to close on that deal? And, you know, what kind of experience did that provide for you? Great, great. Um, let me see if I can elaborate on that. So I'm the kind of person that likes to shoot and then aim later. Uh, that's just my personality. And everybody's personality is a little, a little different. Some folks like to plan it out. You know, I kind of like to get it done, you know, get that property under contract. And then eventually that kind of puts a fire, you know, in your rear end to go get it done. You got no choice but to go find the money. Ask, get out of your comfort zone and ask your friends, your neighbors, your sphere of influence, you know, if they want to, you know, fund a real estate deal. You know, basically, you know, I just went out, went out of my comfort zone. I don't like to ask people for anything. That's probably one of my flaws is I don't like to ask for help. So I try to do everything, not myself. I just try to figure it out before I ask anybody else. You know, so we ended up finding some hard money. We pulled some cash out of some credit cards for the down payment. We found some hard money lender online that I've never heard of. And it was super expensive. But, you know, at the end of the day, it took us about six and a half months from start to finish on the first project. And I believe we made about $17,000. 
So that was our wow. first flip, you know, and, and, you know, we were happy, you know, we made 17 grand, you know, it's, we were hoping not to lose any money, but I've always said the longer you go without doing your first deal, the closer you get to never doing one. Oh, I you love know, that shit. quote. <laughs> so yes, you know, that's, that's my, that was my mentality. And then I told myself, well, it took six months to do this, to make 17 grand. I said, man, that kind of sucks. You know, I mean, how many of these do I got to do to really, you know, accomplish all my dreams and my goals? So then I had to kind of reverse engineer the process and say, okay, I need to do this many. I got to knit this much. And I, that means I got to make this amount of phone calls. I got to make, have this amount of appointments. I have to close this amount of deals. I need this amount of money, you know, so I just kind of reversed engineered everything and I said, okay, let's go. And I did my, we did our first one. And after that, you know, I just started getting as many as I could under contract one, two every month for the first couple of years. I did roughly like 28 first year and yeah, first two years, I think we did a 28 uh, fix and flips. And every time we got a deal, we were able to find the, the, the money every single time. And that's not the issue anymore. The issue is now is I need more deals because I have uh, the funding there and now I got to use it. You know, I don't have that problem anymore, which is, which is great. So let's speak really quick to maybe a question that some of the listeners may have. And, you know, you, you find you always, you know, you, you were always able to find the money for these deals, but let's go back to that first deal, especially it being your first deal. And you found you were able to find that hard money. You know, let's, let's speak to that fact when you are, and it may have been attributed to the learning and the training that you took um, in that in that in that boot camp. But when you are going after hard money and you know that they're expensive, how do you feel comfortable enough knowing that you, with you acquiring this money, you're still going to be able to make money on the back end? Is there some type of analysis involved? Um, how robust is it, and what, what's kind of that process? Sure. So let me see if I understand the question. The question is: Is it how? How do I analyze a... How do you analyze the financing? The financing, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just kind of, you know, just your general, you know, you get your, what you're going to sell a property for. But as far as what the, the money's going to cost, that does, at first I thought it was expensive, right? And they kept telling me in my training, hey, doesn't matter how much you pay in interest. You know, it just depends. You're going to make money off of that. Somebody else's money or somebody else's investment. That's how you can get started. And as the more I, the more deals I got like that, or the more deals that I got, it made more sense. I said, okay, great. Even if I'm paying 8%, 10%, 12%, 1.3 you know, points, it doesn't really matter as long as the numbers work at the end. I'll just give an example. If I'm going to remodel a house, remodel a home, and deed to deed basically means when I purchase the property, the deed goes in our name, and then... The next time we sell it, it goes into the new owner's name. That's deed to deed. If it's within four months, you know, three, four months, I know what it's going to cost me on that money, right? Mm -hmm. I borrow $100,000. It's only going to cost me, say, four grand, you know, four or $5,000. That's really not a lot if I'm going to turn around and make $35,000, $55,000, and it's only going to cost me $5,000. I'll trade in $5,000 every day to make $35,000 every single For sure. day. For sure. So, um, it doesn't, now the interest, you know, that we pay, you know, with our investors, it's really not an issue just because we know it's going to make sense at the end. Even though we make some mistakes, you know, we've made some mistakes in the past about the wrong house or going over, over budget, remodel it too nicely. Just about any mistake that somebody can do in real estate, I've already done it. 
So, and, and this, well, in this, that you can make in the last, you know, within the last three years, uh, when it comes to fixing and flipping a property, you know, I've made some great choices. I made some bad choices, but the biggest thing is you got to keep going because, uh, another quote that I like is, uh, you know, tough times don't last, tough you know, people tough, do. tough people do. So, <laughs> you know, about a year and a half ago, I got, you know, I was, I'll tell you my a quick story, my lowest point. You know, oh, another quick lesson that I learned was cash flow. <laughs> that one's uh, very important. If you're fixing and flipping, you got to make sure your cash flow is right. So that's why sometimes I might assign uh, a property just because I might need the cash flow. But if you, have it, if you have it planned out properly, you should be okay. So about a year and a half ago was probably the lowest point. I think probably my life, uh, even though I was already doing real estate, but I got in a cash flow crunch. And we took a trip back home. I'm from Texas originally for Christmas. And I didn't really want to go because I, honestly, we were real tight on cash and I really couldn't afford the trip. But my mother-in-law and my family insisted and they kind of paid for it. Not really paid for our trip, but they kind of helped us out to get out there for to stay. They got me, you know, they, they, set it, they set everything up. But on the way back, I mean, I was basically out of cash. My house payment was due on the second of January and I was like $140 short. So as soon as we got back to Raleigh, I asked all my kids for their Christmas money. Oh, wow. So every time I sit, tell a story, which I hardly ever tell it, I get emotional, but I had to ask my kids for their Christmas money so I can put in my account. So my, my check wouldn't bounce. And I told, I told myself that day, I said, this will never happen again. That just put another fire underneath me to really get out there and, work even harder, make the right decisions. And, it, and that really motivated me. And my kids, to this day, I love my kids, you know, and, and they, they don't even, they didn't even realize what was going on, you know, they didn't care. Oh yeah, my dad will give me the money back in five days. You know, I gave him back the money, you know, I don't know, a week or 10 days. But the fact that I had to ask for their Christmas money, that was heartbreaking for me. I mean, it's, I hope no parent ever has to do that, but that's probably the lowest point you know, in my short uh, real estate career was asking my kids money so I can, my check wouldn't bounce for, for our, where we, where we lived. So. For uh, sure. For anyways. Sure. And, I, and thank you for sharing that Javier. That that's, that's definitely, you know, something that you definitely want to highlight. And it's something that I hope the listeners have been, been able to take away from. And that's, you know, it's one of those things, again, you stir up emotion like that and it's going to, it's going to move you to action. And it's going to move you to the type of action that makes sure that you never, have those types of situations again. So I love that you were able to take away from that and then, you know, double back and actually share that with our audience so that they could take away from that as well. So let's move down your path. You know, you, you, you started with that first deal and obviously that first deal was a success. And when did you start building out your team and how did you kind of start putting that team together? Okay. So, you know, when you start a new business, you basically do everything yourself. So that's what I've been doing for a long time. I still work a lot. I probably work uh, roughly about 70 hours a week right now, but that's because I want to, not because I kind of have to. I think I have a, some kind of disorder. <laughs> that's a really crazy work ethic, which is, uh, which is good, good and bad. But before I even continue with the team, look, as long as everybody out there who's married, as long as your family is on board and you have a plan, like I told my kids and my wife how long this was going to take, approximately what I was going to do, you know, what kind of new venture I was doing and everybody was on board. So there's really no surprises. There's not that awkward feeling when you get home and you're working, you know, which I try not to do, but you know, when you get started, you have to do that. 
But if everybody's on board, especially your spouse or your significant other or your kids, is, is, that is huge because it's, it, it helps you out through the tough times. It's a lot less stress in the family. So I just wanted to throw that out there. So it started by myself and my wife became uh, my uh, agent on the, on the selling side. When we remodel a home, she'll go ahead and she'll list it and she'll sell it. So she's become one of the top agents uh, on, in her firm. There's roughly 150 agents, I think, 180, I'm not sure. So she's always, you know, on the, in the top percentile at her firm, just with, not just with the stuff that she does for me, but she has other clients as well. But now, as time has come, has moved on, uh, we got some more experience. Uh, we have uh, five acquisitions managers, uh, uh, five acquisitions managers. They're also real estate agents. We have a full-time admin. One, two, we have three virtual assistants. Um, I have a construction manager full-time. All he does is manage the constructions, uh, the construction project. And what else do we have? Uh, I have a bookkeeper. Uh, he's part-time, roughly about 20 hours, uh, 20 hours a week. Great guy. He's a retired uh, accountant. And he, was, uh, he said his wife was driving, driving him crazy at home, so he had to, to get out of the house. So it worked out for us. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's the way our team works. I'm sure hopefully I didn't leave anybody out. But basically that's our that's our team. So Javier, when it comes to your success and the and the, and the team you've been able to build in such a short period of time, what maybe habit have you picked up or maybe new belief or behavior have you picked up that has most improved your life that kind of has you on this path building this team and creating these systems and making sure that you yourself and your family is prosperous? Well, it's always great when you listen to podcasts or you go to a network meeting, some kind of boot camp, and you see somebody else doing it, right? I saw somebody that's flipping 40, 50 houses a month. I'm like, wow, 40, 50 houses a month. You know, why, why can't I do that? So really, you know, you start seeing other people doing different things and you, you push yourself a little more. And that's basically, I think, what's what kind of, you know, has been able to help me, you know, kind of just think outside my, my box or just my limitations. Just trying to, I don't want to do what everybody else does because then you're going to have what everybody else has. I'm sure everybody's heard that. So I like to think outside the box and try to push the limits. You know, everybody in our team, like in the real estate retail side, we have a real estate team. We say everybody has to close at least 35 transactions a year. So for all the real estate agents out there, they're like, man, 35 transactions, that's a lot. Yes, that is a lot, but it's doable. There's other agents that do it, so why can't you do it? right? We fl- we're going to flip 50 properties in a year. We can do it. Why? Because there's people out there flipping 500. So, you know, it's the belief level. You just really have to believe that you can get things done. And honestly, don't listen to people who are going to put you down or who are going to drag you down or who are going to, who are going to pee on your head and tell you it's raining. Don't do that. Okay. What maybe bad advice have you received in the past five years that you want to make sure our listeners stay away from in your area of expertise? What bad advice have I heard? I'll tell you what, probably the, yeah, the worst advice that I've heard is somebody saying, don't pay a mentor or don't pay for training or don't pay for this, you know? And even there's folks, even like me, that kind of like to do everything themselves, try to learn themselves. You still at some point got to find somebody to kind of guide you, mentor you, even if you you have to pay, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, somebody has succeeded in life and what you want to do and you want to, you want to learn what they've learned, but you know what, their time's not free. So, you know, I've heard 
somebody say that's a real estate investor around my area. And he always says it. All oh, those gurus are a waste of money. Those gurus are a waste of money. But honestly, I don't think it's a waste of money. You guys, somebody out there, you guys find a good mentor, somebody that can teach you and guide you, who really wants you to succeed and has a proven system and, and go for it. It'll, you know, pay a few thousand dollars or whatever the fee is. It'll save you in the long run because if not, you're going to pay, you're going to pay the street. You're going to pay somebody. <laughs> Either way, you're going to pay somebody. So, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a coach. You know, I don't sell anything. I'm just saying that as a, as a real estate investor that, you know, I don't, I don't have a training company or anything like that. I love that. So, Javier, that is, that is super invaluable advice. And speaking from a coach and from somebody who's gotten tons and tons of coaching, throughout my entrepreneurial journey, it, you know, it's one of those things to where without that coaching, without that, that hands-on, without th their experiences, without their networking, without their connections, without their motivation, without their accountability, I don't know where, you know, not only myself, but the people that I help now, because I, you know, everything, it's almost like a trickle-down effect. Like the only reason I'm able to do what I do is because I had coaching, I was able to get started and I've helped other people get started and they're benefiting other people that are getting started. And it's just this, 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 you know, robust effect of us helping other people as we climb. And that would never happen if we don't take that first step to figure out what our dreams are, what our goals are, who's already achieved that. And how can we either work with them, you know, pay for their services or, or kind of research them. So I love that so, so much. And yeah, it, again, it's one of those things to where you know, I think about the past few years and I think about, I mean, I've probably spent over $50,000 in coaching and that's not only in real estate, that's in being an entrepreneur, that's in health, that's in mindset, that's in everything, every aspect of your life. I think that you, you should have a coach and you should have a mentor. And even if it's not a paid mentor, I mean, your parents can be your mentors in certain areas of your life. Always make sure that you have, you know, a robust system of people around you that are going to uplift you. And I think that's super, super amazing. So Javier, you work about 60 to 70 hours a week, which is, which is a lot, which is I mean, I, I'd say I'd say that you know on my on my tough weeks, I work just about the same amount. So when, maybe when you're feeling overwhelmed, or when you're feeling unfocused, and you're, you've lost you've lost that drive temporarily, what do you do? You know, maybe if it's helpful, what questions do you ask yourself to get yourself back in alignment? That's a really good question. But before I answer that, I want to see if I heard you correctly. You said you spent fifty thousand dollars in coaching yourself. I did. I have. Oh. Man, that is a deal because I was just talking to my wife uh, this past weekend and we have probably spent about 300 grand in mistakes <laughs> oh <laughs> in my the last two and a half years. So yeah, that sounds like a deal, man. That is such a good deal. Yeah. Oh man. Yes. It's, 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 that's 50 grand. That's a deal. But when it gets overwhelming for me, uh, you know what? I work well under pressure. I work well under chaos. I, I don't stress very often or, or at all. To some of my most stressful situations, I remember I was, I was at the yearly checkup with my doctor and they checked my blood pressure. And he's like, man, you have some of the best blood pressure I've ever seen. I'm like, man, <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, and I feel stressed out. That's what I told my doctor. You know, the half, the, the glass is always half full. You know, I'm always, I'm very positive. You know, if I need a break, I just kind of just take a break and, you know, listen to a podcast or just play some, some Zen music and just kind of relax and, you know, just kind of rethink about, you know, whatever the situation is. But for the most part, if things get tough, man, I just bunker down and, and hit it harder. You know, maybe that's just being stubborn. But when things get hard, I just work even harder. You know, I, I just don't take a break. And that can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. I heard a, another kind of a quote or a saying a couple of weeks ago, 
I was at this um, speaking event and the, one of the guys speaking in, in the stage was a billionaire. He said, you know, you know, he's like, hey, what are you doing? What do you do at 7 p.m.? You know, what do you do at 9 p.m.? He was asking people in the audience and people were saying, I'm with my kids, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then he said, well, I'm, I'm getting rich, right? That's what he said. Now, you have to understand the context. He didn't mean, hey, it's all about money, I'm getting rich. He, that's not what he was trying to say. He was just saying, hey, you know what? I'm where I'm at because I work harder than everybody else. Eventually, you got to work smarter where you're working less, right? He was getting paid $100,000 to be there for 20 minutes. So, you know, he, he's, he's getting rich, right? The work that he did at 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock and 1 in the morning eventually paid off where he's speaking at a public event for $100,000 for less than half an hour. So that was his point. You know, he's like, what are you doing? You know, are you on Facebook or, you know, are you getting rich? That's basically what he was trying to say. So I guess for me, when I hit a hard spot or hard times, I, I kind of just work through it. You know, I bunker down and I do a little more work. I work a little bit harder. I love that. that that's amazing advice. And I want to wrap up this, this segment before we hit our last and final segment. I want to wrap up this segment with this. And we've already, we've already kind of talked about your area of expertise. We've talked about fixing and flipping and how to get started and the difference between fixing and flipping and wholesaling and things of that nature. So I just want to leave with this one last question at the top of my mind, because I, I want to understand maybe the tax implications of fixing and flipping and how that all plays out with capital gains. You know, when you, you, you make $20,000 on a deal or $40,000 on a deal, how much of that are you really taking home after tax? Oh, that's a great question. So uh, when I interviewed my, my, my CPAs, actually, every time I interview somebody to join our team, my, my, even my attorney or anybody who wants to join our team, I show them this video. And you guys can go Google it here or YouTube it in a minute. It's about this Asian kid in his underwear that puts on his pants without using his hands. So as soon as you watch that video, you're going to try that at home. So it's really hard. Put your pants on with no hands. So I always play that video before I interview somebody. So just imagine me walking to a CPA, walking into an accountant's office and popping that video on my iPad. Man, I got kicked out of so many offices. I got nasty looks until I got, you know, because my point was, I said, look, I need somebody who thinks like me who can think outside the box, right? There's, there's more than one way to, you know, put on your pants. So that was my, that was my, my point. So when I, once I found my, my CPA, you know, I asked him, hey, you know, how often am I going to get audited? And then he looks at me, he says, well, you think outside the box? He said, all the time. And I said, okay, great. That's a great, that's great. But you're going to make sure that, but you're going to make sure that I'm taken care of. Like, yes. But if you want to stretch it, you know, you might get audited quite often. But hey, he's going to sign off on it. And, you know, everything's done legally. Everything's done perfectly. But yes, the tax implications of fix and flip is, is just ordinary income. Just to keep it simple, right? If you, made, if you make $500,000 fixing and flipping, hey, you're going to fall into the ordinary income and you're going to get taxed at $500,000, right? That's after all your expenses. So you have to get creative on how to shelter that money, where to put that money, what to do with it, you know, how to reinvest it, you know, just different things you have to do so you can pay the least amount of taxes. So with that said, uh, I'm not an accountant, I'm not an attorney. So you have to talk to We are to not your, giving legal advice. Yes, just, correct. <laughs> this is for but, entertainment but, purposes only. <laughs> but real estate is so creative. You can do so many things with your money. And it's some of this stuff like, oh, I can, I can do that. It's like, yeah, you can do that. Okay, great. Oh, I can do this. Oh, that's awesome. So there's always something new that you can do or just there's always 
somewhere, some way to hit to, to not be able to take a big hit. So put it that way. I mean, put it this way this year, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm going to pay a lot of tax. You know, I mean, it's no way, you know, it's no way you can avoid not paying any taxes, but with, with fi- fixing and flipping is considered ordinary income. It's a little bit challenging, but it's doable. But if you can make your money work for you at the right time, right part of the year, you know, your tax liabilities will be, uh, won't be as hard or as, or as, you know, it won't be a big bill, put it that way. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? My favorite before the millions book. I knew you, you were going to ask me this. If I can do this business, I can tell you, I know you people say that all the time, but if I can do this business, anybody can do this business. I have not read a book in the last 20 years. So since I was um, 39 years old and I've skimmed through books, but I have not read a book. I know it's going to be silent there for a second. <laughs> that, I think that's so, <laughs> I think I, honestly, so, I think I like the way that you look at that though. It's 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 showing that you know as much as we we put these preconceived notions of I need to do this before I get started, or there's this course I need to take, there's this book I need to read, there's this there's something I need to do. We're always putting these things before our goals, and a lot of us we use those things as crutches to never actually achieve our goals because we we want to make believe that these are the things that we need to be successful, and. Again, Again, you, you're a great example of somebody, and I'm not suggesting that everybody do this because, I mean, you're a unique individual, but at the same time, you are a great example of somebody who, who hasn't put those barriers in front of them, who doesn't, you know, necessarily wait for X, Y, and Z or wait for all the light, lights to turn green before you take action. I mean, you've been taking action for the past 20 years and you've been taking action more specifically in real estate for the past, you know, almost almost three, four, five years now. And you've been successful at it because of trial and error, because of experiences, because of mentors, because of coaching. And it's one of those things to where you have found a viable substitute for books. And I don't, again, it's not, I don't want to discredit the value of books, but I also don't want to discredit you as well because you've been super successful. And again, you haven't read a book in 20 years. So I think that's amazing. I will say this. I know that I was, if I was to read some books, I'll be like, Oh, come on, man. I can't believe I made this mistake. Oh my gosh. You know, I, I just know it. And this is probably why I don't want to read a book because I'm going to go through the book and everything it says not to do, I've done it, you know, I'm like, oh, come on. You know, that's probably the reason. But I, I will tell you this. The reason I really haven't read books much is because of podcasts like yours. They have so much information. Uh, you can be driving somewhere. I know there's audio, those audio books, but the way my mind works, I just start thinking about something else. They're not as engaging, right? If I listen to a podcast like yours, they're very engaging, a lot of information. You get a lot of little nuggets that'll, that'll stick to you. you you'll eventually hear something that touches you they can really relate to and and you'll never forget because most of the stuff you listen to you're going to forget but you somebody says something on a podcast one of your guests throws a couple of golden nuggets out there you're like oh my gosh that is great and then it hits you because you need it that moment and how many podcasts can you not how many episodes can you not listen in one day at work at the gym at home in your shower and when you're driving it doesn't matter so you know what i don't read books i do plan on reading books here eventually at some point but from for now it's just podcasts I love that. Yes. And that's, that's super well said. And I, I mean, I think the listeners can all relate to that. I relate to that so well. I know that, you know, through the listening of podcasts and these interviews, it's like you find these nuggets. And when you grab, when you find something that's relatable, you grab and you hold on to that and you go implement that, it's it's second to none. And I, I couldn't agree more. So uh, that's beautifully said. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. My favorite design lifestyle app is... 
I want to say, gosh, what app do I like? I tell you what, there's an app called uh, Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O. Um, it's called Trello, and it's just kind of a little project management app, and it's just really neat to kind of keep your jobs in order. And I've been using that for a long time. We might switch that up. I'll be sad because now we're, I think we have like 18 properties right now that we're working on. So uh, just, just all together. And that app is, uh, I think it's going to get overloaded pretty soon. Yikes. But what are you thinking yeah. about switching to? There's another one called... Basecamp. Uh, yeah, there's like one job site. There's a couple other ones that I've been kind of looking at that we want to just kind of... We, we don't want it too many bells and whistles. The simpler, the better. Yep. You know, the simpler, the better. Just kind of get everything done. So honestly, I'm not sure if anybody has some suggestions, you know, that'd be awesome. So maybe in one of your other episodes, you can talk about, you know, life. Project management app. Life hats. <laughs> yeah, yep. for sure. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? Well, I definitely enjoy it right now. I actually enjoy work. You know, I actually enjoy hard work. It's just rewarding for me. Teaching my kids uh, work ethic. Uh, you know that you can, you know, you can do things. You know, even if people say you can't, you know, it doesn't matter. It's really, you know, sky is the limit. What I like about my lifestyle is I do make my own schedule. Even though I work a lot, I can pretty much, if I want to take a week off, if I want to take two weeks off, I can take it off. You know, now that everybody, I'm starting to put my team in place. That's when I'm really, really gonna enjoy my lifestyle, because I guess my purpose of doing all this is just to be free from having to worry about money. Money's not everything, but if you don't have to worry about money, your daily routines are a little better. You know, you have less stress. If you have a quarter million dollars in the bank right now, and you, that's just extra money, you know what? Life is easier. Your routines to the gym are easier. Your, if you want to read a book, it's easier. You know, or listen to a podcast. You don't have to work so much because you have a little bit of a cushion. So I just like the fact that I'm just self-employed. I don't have to answer to a boss except for my wife. That's about it. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? A sacrifice? Well, I know it's family. Usually when you put success, you know, when somebody wants to be successful, if I could meet someone out there that hasn't, you know, that their family hasn't been sacrificed, if they've been married, okay, like married and kids, maybe started a little bit later, you know, it's, it's probably family time. I love my family. I love spending time with them. And it's just been, you know, it's been a challenge, you know, with a couple of teenagers at the house, you know, just trying to uh, spend as much time, be a good dad, be a good husband. And, and that's probably the, the, the biggest sacrifice. So there's absolutely no room for failure, zero room, you know, just there isn't. You know, I've sacrificed a lot of time uh, away from my family and I'm going to get that back. I'm going to be able to get that back. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? Who was essential to my growth? Well, I want to say my mom. It had to be my mom because uh, she, uh, she was a single mom and she always worked hard. You know, she, was, she also had some killer work ethic. Um, even though she passed away about three or four years ago, she was in her mid-50s. You know, every day that I go do something, I tell my brothers and my sisters, I always tell them, you know what? Don't embarrass mom, whatever we do. Do not embarrass mom. You know, she'd be proud of us. And it's probably, it's, it's my mom. You know, it, it's, she just taught me a lot, you know, growing up and being a single mom, working hard, getting me whatever I needed to, you know, to live. We, we didn't, you know, we didn't have a lot, but, you know, just enough, you know, there was, she never made excuses. 
and that's the kind of person that I am, I won't make excuses. I love that. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention on getting to the millions? I think people are scared of failure. You know, it's just, I don't know if that's natural or not, but people don't like to be rejected or people don't like to be wrong or to fail. I don't think nobody likes it. But, you know, sometimes you have to kind of, what is it, fail forward, you know, kind of, you know, maybe have some disappointments to be able to take the next, the next step. That, that pain, that disappointment that you feel when you fail, that's, what you, that's the fuel that you, should need, that you should use for the next step, you know, just kind of works together. You got to kind of feel that a little bit to kind of keep going forward. But I think it's just the fear of failure. I mean, really what people are going to say, you know, what people are going to talk about, you know, you really just don't care. I mean, it don't really, don't, don't really matter what people think about you. If you do fail or you don't fail, I mean, just, just try hard, give it your best. Javier, this has been an amazing interview. I've gotten so much value out of our conversation. I've learned so much about your life before the millions. I've learned about how you got started fixing and flipping. I mean, I, I know that with the value that I've learned, the listeners have learned just as much. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, learn a little bit more about you, connect with you, ask you a few questions, where can they find some of your information? Just search me up on Facebook. My name, Javier Inojo. I'm junior. So you might see my dad on there too, but uh, hey, say hi to my dad too, by the way. But, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just my, by Facebook or even my email. It's my first name. It's uh, J-A-V-I-E-R. And it's at the letter I, the letter Q, R-E-I.com. Javier at R-E-I, I-Q-R-E-I.com. It's a good email for me. Love it, love it, love it. And we'll have links to uh, to reach out to Javier in the show notes, listeners. So definitely check that out. Again, Javier, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And again, it's one of those shows to where you've provided value in an area that you know we haven't talked about quite often. So you, you've been able to shed some light into this, this fascinating concept of fixing and flipping. And I think that it's a fascinating way to get started down your path. I think that you know many of us, we have different ways of creating that active income. And when you can create that active income in real estate, it bodes better and well for you when you're ready to create that passive income. So most of us, you know, we either have nine to five jobs that we're doing that with. We either have other businesses that we're doing that with. Well, you can do that within the industry that, you, that you're looking to be in long term. It's amazing. And you've been able to kind of show us how to start on that path. So again, thank you, Javier. And we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate your time. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit to work with the Before the Millions team, here's what I want you to do next head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make every month? Number two, your personalized investing strategy. And number three, the best way to get started using cash flowing rental real estate. Remember, starting and scaling your real estate investments and business doesn't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We've helped clients all over the world start and scale their investing efforts to six figures and beyond while enjoying life and making the world a better place. To find out if we can help you do the same, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. I'm Dorel Lallier, and let's talk soon.